The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey, this is Alexis Haynes, and welcome to Recovering from Reality, where I illuminate the messy and magical path of coming home to yourself. Whether you're on the road to recovery, seeking self-care techniques for surviving the capitalist machine, or just need a moment to remember that you're not alone in your loneliness, we're serving up the ultimate truth. Your challenges don't define you. How you deal with them does. So, are you ready to recover from reality? How do you heal from that? Because it is a choice to heal. You could have gone and gotten married to some guy in Utah and disappeared forever. And been depressed and miserable and filled with anxiety, which I think is a choice. It's a valid choice. Everyone has the right to make that choice. Yeah. Or you can say, fuck no, you're not going to take me down and this is what I'm going to do about it. Yeah. I didn't know I had the strength that I did until that happened. I did not know that I was that resilient and that strong of a person until it happened because the second it did... I was on the phone with my agent, with my attorney, with whoever. How do I launch my new show and tell my story like immediately? That's not to say I wasn't carrying around trauma, but I just I jumped into it. And it's funny because I jumped into it and I was healing kind of while I was starting the new show. That was a quick clip from this week's episode with Sophia Franklin. You guys asked and I delivered. I honestly was hesitant about having Sophia on the podcast because I know that immediately everyone's going to believe that that means that I'm taking sides, that that means that I'm choosing Sophia over Alex or, or Alex over Sophia you'll have to just spare me all of the call her daddy drama. And I will say that I would absolutely have Alex on this podcast too. But in this episode, like we don't even really dive into the call her daddy drama. I feel like that has been covered extensively. The reason I had Sophia on the podcast was because I felt like we had a lot of similarities with regards to like our trauma and coming through public scandal. In this week's episode, we're really focusing on our healing journeys. We're talking, like I said, about our childhood traumas. We're talking about public scandal. We're talking about growing up with single moms with abandonment issues and what her healing journey has looked like. We're even talking about manifestation and what's next on her path. So that's what we're getting into. And I think that you guys are really going to enjoy this episode. A quick bit of (laughs) self-promotion. I hate doing this. It's the, I am the least, I feel like maybe I'm wrong, self-promotional influencer out there. But I got to say, I just wrapped up my life reset call with the amazing women who are in my online course You guys, this course is changing lives. These women are having massive shifts, major moments of clarity, and we have a beautiful community. So if you've ever been interested 
please head over to my website, recoveringfromreality.com. Go to the courses tab and just check it out. Maybe it feels like it's in alignment with uh, your journey right now. And maybe it doesn't. But yeah, that's my bit of self-promotion for this week. Anyway, happy Monday. I hope you guys enjoy this week's episode. And so with that, here is Sophia Franklin. Major guest request. I'm so happy that you're here. How weird that this just like worked out. Because I I literally DM'd you and then I obnoxiously started commenting on your post. Like, I DM'd you. (laughs) (laughs) I, I... Sometimes we'll do that. Like when my audience really wants someone, I'm like, okay, we will go to great lengths to Uh bring you guys this interview. (laughs) And it worked. You were, you're back in Utah Mm -hmm. and you were having to come to LA for, I don't even know what, some work stuff. It's just so much shit, but yes. And so then I started learning more about you and I'm like, oh my God, there are so many similarities in our stories Mm -hmm. and so many parallels. And I just can't wait to dive in with you. The overarching theme, I think, is this, that America really loves to build people up, to knock them down, mm-hmm. but they also love a comeback story. True. They love an underdog, for sure. And right now, you're definitely like the comeback queen. Thank you. You're doing that was great. the sweetest thing <laughs> I've ever heard. I love that. Yeah, there's definitely been a comeback. It took a little bit, but now I'm here. Well, I always say that anytime that I've had to overcome hard things in my life, there's always been contraction before expansion. What do you mean by that? So there's always been like the pressure, right? Like any time that I've had growth Mm -hmm. on any level in my life, it has been like tons of pressure that has helped me to eventually make my way out of that and blossom. Right. And so for you, you really took all of that pressure and you're using it as an opportunity to grow, Yeah, which I think is an amazing thing. Thank you. I also think, and this, okay, so the counselor in me is coming out because when I was listening to your history and I I really, I do want to go back to your childhood and Good. I, think, I think all of the <sighs> pop culture stuff Mm-hmm. is relevant. But I really tend to think that the things that we face in our adult lives mm-hmm. that we encounter yep. often illuminate parts of our childhood experiences mm-hmm. that still need to be healed. Absolutely. You mentioned something in another podcast about growing up in Utah. You are the first generation of your parents were both immigrants. So, you, no? This is, no, this is the funniest thing ever okay. because we just had an argument about this <laughs> at dinner last okay. night with my friends in the room that are here right now. Yeah. So I'm second generation, okay. but that means that my parents were immigrants. Mm-hmm. So you would think that would make me first generation, but it actually makes you second generation. Wow. So guys, you don't even need to use Google. I will tell you all <laughs> about it on my show. But yeah. You learn something new every day. Every day. But you were the child of a single mom mm-hmm. who had you in her early 20s mm-hmm. in Utah. You're living in Utah. Yes. Okay. Yes. I can't even imagine how that affected you and made you feel like an outcast. Yeah. So, wow, there's a lot of layers to it. 
I think my mom, being an immigrant, she moved to Utah when she was 16, I believe, from Argentina. Yeah. Didn't know the language, anything. So she kind of felt like an outcast, you know? And I think, you know, her raising me, I'm sure in some way that kind of like also made me feel it maybe a little bit. And then I was kind of raised LDS, which is Mormonism, for those of you who don't know. And then I was thrown into private Catholic school. And then I'm also just my personality is very outrageous and explicit. I mean, my show, Sophia with an F. I'm talking real dirty. I don't know how dirty you get no, on your show. As my mom and I were in here talking about how we're both cunts like 45 minutes ago. Okay, so good, good, good. But I mean, <laughs> I talk about like sexual yes. stuff, but mental health stuff too. Well, it's all intertwined, right? Yes. Yeah, ab- absolutely. absolutely. So I love how we just did that in unison. Like, <laughs> hi. Um, so I'm kind of this like crazy party girl juxtapositioned with Mormonism where you can't drink, you can't, you know, drink caffeine, like any of those things. Utah is very white. Mm -hmm. I'm white, like I am, but I have a Spanish background. Excuse me, Latinx. People get upset with me when I don't use the terminology correctly. I'm working on that. So yeah, I definitely, I felt a little bit like an outcast for sure. And you had said that you had this really big personality. Did you have that when you were really little? Yeah. Yeah. Like even in middle school, I was the class clown. Even in high school, I was just kind of more out there, I guess you could say. So in my experience, in my life experience, like when I reflect, when I'm working in therapy and when I reflect on my childhood, I can see a direct correlation from, you believe in law of attraction, right? Oh, 100%. So what we resist or what our unconscious mind hasn't dealt with yet will present itself in our lives. Mm. So that way we can heal it. Okay. And so for you, even though I'm asking, basically, do you think that part of those feelings that maybe aren't resolved yet of feeling like an outcast or like you don't fit in, mm-hmm. that the situation that happened later in life could have possibly presented itself as an opportunity for growth. Wow, that's deep. That is very, very interesting. Yeah, absolutely. I think that could be the case. You know, my childhood, feeling like an outcast, I mean, I had that a little bit. I think there were more like serious ones. Not that feeling like that isn't serious, but I think there were other things going on in my childhood that were maybe more serious to me, if Mm -hmm. that makes sense. But I absolutely could see how, you know, what happens to you in your childhood. Yeah. Like later on in life, well, it will present itself again for you to deal with it. Yeah. I love that. That's so, wow. That's kind of my like therapy background counselor take on everyone's life experience is that the things that we come and incarnate on this planet to experience Mm -hmm. need to be dealt with, right? We sign a contract, come down here and we're like, in order to expand and grow, you need to go through X, Y, or Z in order to, you know, whatever. If you believe in expanding consciousness or grow as a person or whatever it might be. And I just really do think that like sometimes, and it's not that this 
was that all your fault? It's just like we experience our call in experiences for us to have these breakdown moments, which often break through. And we we have these moments of great expansion. And yeah, seeing just you sitting here in front of me after experiencing what you did mm-hmm. is profound because I was publicly shamed, yep. you know, for for my. I mean, being a twice convicted <laughs> felon drug addict on national television. And I didn't even have social media back then. Right. But like, I didn't take four months. I took like eight years to, <laughs> to run away before I started a podcast. Right, right. Because holy shit. Like, I know. The court of public opinion is brutal. And it not is. only is it brutal, but there's no nuance or context with it either. Mm-hmm. That's a really interesting point is it's so nuanced and the trauma that you go through, it's hard to explain to anyone. I mean, ours is very interesting, right? Because it was like a whole public thing and millions of people watching, whatever. But any form of trauma, it's just different to the individual. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I don't even know how to like phrase it. It's just... It is so nuanced. And so I think to deal with the trauma, there's not a one way to do it. Yeah. It depends on you as a person and what happened and all of those things. And there's different levels of resilience too. Like some people are super resilient and Mm -hmm. some people are super sensitive. Yes. And some people are in between. Yes. And so these things affect people in different ways. Yeah. Um, Wow. Eight years. You disappeared for eight? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like (laughs) was not. Well, I, I had said I'm never returning to the media space again. And then what transpired was I went into a suicidal depression And I realized that the depression wasn't really that I was clinically depressed. It was that I needed to be helping out in the world and I needed to get my story out. And Mm -hmm. I had spent the last eight years recovering and sure enough, started the podcast, started getting back onto social media. And the more that I was seeing that I was helping, the greater my depression lifted. I mean, that's really what happened for me. Right, right. And I think like that is commendable that it took you eight years and some people, you know, would scoff at that. I find it so commendable and amazing. You needed to do what you needed to do. I also got married, had kids. I mean, there was like a lot going on, but yeah, (laughs) it, it, it was a lot. Quick break from today's episode to talk to you guys about Way. You guys know that I love, love, love their hair products. They smell amazing. They work great. Their texture spray, their dry shampoo. It is all delicious. But let's talk about how dry my skin is. It is winter and the weather here in California is completely bipolar. One morning it is cold. One afternoon it's 80 and dry. It doesn't make sense, but my body, my skin is suffering as a result. And so the hair care brand way now has body products as luxurious as their famed detox shampoo. So if your skin has been feeling dehydrated lately, way has you covered with their new body cream and body cleanser. The hydrating skin softening duo comes in the iconic way fragrance Melrose Place. It is so yummy. It has notes of bergamot, lychee, cedarwood, and white musk. It smells like heaven. It is rich. It is soothing. 
and it absorbs into your skin in no time and it retains that moisture. My skin feels so soft and it doesn't leave me looking oily, just perfectly hydrated. Quench your thirsty skin and leave it feeling satin smooth with Way Melrose Place body cream or turn your shower into an escape with the gentle skin softening Way Melrose Place body cleanser. Experience the new Way Melrose Place body cream and body cleanser. Your body, your way. Go to the way that's T H E. O-U-A-I.com and use code reality for 15% off your entire purchase. That's 15% off your order at the way, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com slash reality. Hi, I'm Kara Natterson. And I'm Vanessa Kroll Bennett. We're the co-hosts of the Puberty Podcast. Each week, we dive into the what and how of raising kids through puberty, that roller coaster of physical and emotional shifts for kids and parents alike. Combining reliable science and relatable parenting strategies, we will all learn about, laugh about, and yes, maybe even cry about adolescence, ours and theirs. So going back to your childhood and growing up, predominantly with a single mom, your dad was not in your life. Yeah, so... Dad, not in my life. When I was, I, I was in high school, so probably like 15, I was given the opportunity because my mom, you know, kind of felt guilty for raising me without a father. And so I was given the opportunity to meet him. And I did. He's from Spain. So he flew to the States. We met And then I think it was a couple years later, I was in Europe. So then I saw him again. And then he never spoke to me again. And so I think that, you know, it's one thing to grow up without a dad, right? It's like a completely different thing to meet him and him still not want anything to do with you, you know? That's like t- the rejection. Yeah, from that. the rejection. Yeah, exactly. Extremely painful. What do you think as a result of that very traumatic situation? Mm-hmm. Some of the belief systems, you know, that you developed as a result of that trauma were. Listen, I think I'm I mean, I'm a work in progress still. And I never really thought about it being an issue. Mm. And then now as I get older, now it's kind of starting to set in more. And I think the way that it's like manifested, I mean, abandonment issues. I think at any moment, anyone could leave. I mean, even with my team who's sitting here, I'm like, ooh, like they might be out. Like they might be out the door tomorrow, you know? I mean, the issues with men. I don't trust them. I don't like them. I fucking hate them. I'm just kidding. No, it's not like that. But at the same time, I'm so independent, so strong. Yeah. You know? As a result of that. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And not to beat a dead horse with my point before, like, again, with the opportunities for growth, like that core abandonment. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, when you were talking about your team, it's like the friendship then ended too. I mean, like, of course you have that belief that anyone could just walk away at any moment. Like that is 
the experience that you've been having right in di- at different periods and points in your life. Yeah. Well, let me tell you something interesting. So because of the situation with my father, and that's my biological father. Yeah, you had a stepfather. Yes, who came into the picture when I was six. So he's who he's my dad, mm-hmm. you know. Um, Are they still together? No. He was an alcoholic. He was not an alcoholic. Okay. He did have some substance abuse issues. issues. And he was a great, great dad. But he was a little bit, you know, in and out of the picture. And the funny thing is, is because of that situation with both of my fathers. Ew, I don't want to call him a father. Sperm donor <laughs> and then <Yes>. father. <laughs> yes. Um, I felt like I could really, really trust women. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Men I kind of rejected. Women became my safe space because I'm raised by a single mom. Mm -hmm. My grandma and my aunts came in to take care of me. So I felt really safe. I found safety in women. So when the betrayal happened with, you know, my friend who I consider a sister— that was more jarring and alarming to me. Does that make sense? Absolutely, because the same exact thing happened to me. Oh, really? Yeah. So, I mean, th- when I say that there are like crazy parallels in their in our stories, yeah. <laughs> literally, yeah. I I had um, a sister. Literally, she lived with us my whole life. On okay. And off, okay. Who was. I was extremely close to. Mm-hmm. Um, and because of what I consider very selfish motives, one day just dropped me and has not really talked to me since. It's not crazy. It's so painful. And I, I relate to that because I grew up in a household where with an unstable father who was in and out of my life and uh, okay, a lot so of sexual twins. abuse. <laughs> so we're twins. Yeah. Okay. And I was being abused by lots of men. And so I didn't trust men growing mm. up. And... As a result of that pain, I had an insecure attachment style, right? So, mm-hmm. like, I was always afraid people would leave me. Still am. <laughs> um, you know, I have to, like, check myself when those feelings come up. I'm like, dude, you're being crazy right now. This is not real. Uh-huh. No one's leaving. Uh-huh. You know, and became really codependent and moved from relationship to relationship. Because eventually, a lot of these people would get sick of me and my drama and would leave me. But I never thought she would leave. And... It's been one of the most painful things that I've ever had Mm -hmm. to deal with. Someone who you trusted with your heart and with your innermost secrets. Uh Someone who was like your ride or die. You thought you would die together. Yeah. But how much strength do you feel from it too? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it really was an opportunity for, it was like the universe was saying, no, honey, you got to stand on your own two feet. She was my crutch. And I was using her as that crutch. And I was like, you know, all of a sudden, it was just ripped out from under me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing is, it was so horrific. And I think it was the best thing to ever happen to me. I, I really, really do. And that's something my mom told me. Because I just feel this, I feel powerful. I feel strong. I feel like I'm okay. And I'm actually more than okay. And it's just going to keep getting better. Mm. But, you know, there's there's time in between. Eight years for you. <laughs> it took me, you know, quite a while as well. Yeah. But it needed to happen. Yeah. 
So you're growing up in Utah. You clearly have a very big personality. Mm -hmm. um, And you end up somehow going to school for like finance. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm born in Utah. Yeah. I work in finance and I wanted to die every single day. Working that job was not fun. And I manifested that I wanted to have a podcast and live in New York Mm. every single day. I would listen to podcasts all day long while I was at work bullshitting, basically. And I was manifesting it. And I knew I wanted to go to New York. I have family there. And I had a really shitty breakup with a boyfriend. And I decided I'm going to New York. Two weeks later, I was in New York. I was still doing finance there then started my old show. And then that's it. And then my life just completely changed, you know? So what, what was your question? I'm like, I'm like, go, I'm like, how should I just do a monologue for seven hours on this microphone? (laughs) No, what was your question? You're doing great. No, we were just following how you, how you moved from finance into the entertainment industry. Okay. So yeah, that's basically it. I mean, I'm working in finance. I meet this girl. We hit it off. We have great chemistry. We're really funny. And I was about to say, I'm really funny. And then we just had this opportunity to start a show. We did it. I was still working my finance job and then would get off work and then go record the podcast and talk about, can I say sucking yeah, dick whatever, on here? Whatever you want. Okay. Yeah. Um, sucking dick, like how to, you know, deal with a fuck boy, all of those things. You became like the girl's guide. Yes. Essentially. Yes. 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 And I mean, I'm still doing that now, Mm -hmm. just in a more mature way, because I've grown a lot since then. Yeah. And that's basically how it happened. Yeah. It's kind of crazy how life works. I understand it, though, because with my show, it was the same thing. I literally manifested it down to the dollar amount that I made. And wow. within three months, I had a show on E Network that was my own show. Like, wow, it was really quick. And of course, I burned it down to the ground, but it <laughs> ended up becoming the best thing that ever happened to me because I guess I realized that like I was never I wasn't meant to do that. I needed to have this to be here yeah. now. Yeah. And the same is true for you. Like you needed to step into it was an opportunity for you to really step into who you are yes and to own it right because I think that's so interesting it's like I get a lot of hate and so do you right and part of it that I've realized for me in the healing journey has been like okay so they call me a narcissist and all these like horrible things Uh uh-huh part of that is true yeah like it really is like an opportunity like let's face it right Yeah, Yeah. there are parts of me that I am totally a fucking narcissistic asshole. Dude, this is the thing with narcissism. And I talked about this on my show is we all are narcissists to a certain degree, you know? There's nothing wrong with that, actually. No, no, not at all. And people like throw the term around like it's, you know. Too loosely and especially towards women. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Very true. Yeah. Because men aren't seen as narcissists. Yes. When they are asking for a pay raise or it's so interesting because my husband and I just opened our marriage and I'm a narcissist, but he's fine. He can go fuck whoever he wants, but because I am, 
I'm a narcissist because I'm not taking care of my kids all day and I'm having dates once a week. So now I'm a narcissist. That's exactly right. Because you have a vagina. You are a narcissist and you're greedy. Mm -hmm. And I mean, hello. (laughs) Like that's my whole thing. I love it. I, you know, wanted to make more money because I knew what I was worth and I was called greedy. It's like the same thing with the narcissism. Yeah. Yeah. So there's that part of it, right? That there's truth to everything that people have said that's negative about me for the most part. I mean, Mm -hmm. some stuff I'm like, that's a stretch, you guys. But like (laughs) (laughs) most of it, I'm like, yeah, right? Like, Mm -hmm. true. Yeah. Um, And then there's like the collective unconscious where it's like you're either you are greedy yourself and you're afraid to look at your shadow side or there are parts of you that don't believe that you're worthy of standing up for yourself and being a little bit greedy. Right. Yes. And so people get fucking triggered over all of that. They don't want to own it. That was very profound. Very, very, very profound. Damn. I'm like, I need to go read a book or something (laughs) after talking to you. That's basically how I feel. No, but I just think it's so interesting. Like going back to what I was saying in the opening about America loving to build people up, burn them down and then see the comeback. But all while pointing their finger. They don't want to look at how they're a part of that, like how your experience speaks to their shadow side. Oh, They just want to go, oh, it's you, 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 you. So they don't ever have to look back on themselves and reflect on the parts of the story that are them. They're projecting. Of course. Their own shit. Yeah. It's really crazy just the amount of canceling happening. It's just insane, you know? And it's just so easy to like throw names out there. You're greedy, you're lazy, whatever, which those were, you know, two out of the billion words that people were calling me. Mm -hmm. But they just throw those out there and then everyone jumps on the bandwagon and then you're canceled. And it's insane. I was canceled for what? What was I canceled for? wanting a raise and not wanting to work for a company that is disgusting, you know? Okay. I didn't say anything racist, homophobic, anything like that. And it's crazy. And you got canceled for what? Well, robbing Orlando Bloom's house. So granted, it it was justified. (laughs) Well, but not really, though. You were young. I mean, I was an 18-year-old heroin addict who, like, I didn't know it was his house. I mean, it was a whole thing. We can get on that topic another day. Um, But you were young. You were on drugs. You made a mistake. You fucked up. And you don't need to be canceled forever. And there's the nuance that like nobody wants to talk about, right? It's like the reality is in your situation was that, so you get recognized by Barstool Sports. They offer you a podcast and they took a risk on you, right? Mm -hmm. Like you guys didn't have this cult following. You didn't have an Instagram presence. They did take a risk on you. Sure, I see that side of it. Uh But at this point, they know that you guys are moneymakers. I mean, the show blows up. What... How much listeners did you have at that point? Like how many listeners? I think it was... A million something. Yeah. Yeah. Which is incredible. Uh Uh-huh. And they know that you're profitable. I don't understand what the problem is with renegotiating that deal. I'll just say industry standard is that the podcast host keeps around 30% of advertising dollars and maybe there's a production fee that they take or whatever it might be. There's there's little things here or there. Yeah. 
Yeah. You guys were making 4%. I don't understand why you both weren't making 15%, a 30, 30% cut, 15 split. So we were making 4% off of merchandise. Okay. You weren't even making money off of advertising? We did not have a percentage set up off of advertising. We had a salary separate. Okay. And the salary was a lot less than what the advertising was bringing in. Okay. So, I mean, and that company is just, there's a lot going on there that I I didn't want to stay there and enable and be a part of. But with that said... I think what happened and I'm proud of myself for standing up, you know, for what I wanted and asking for more because I was worth it. And it blew the fuck up in my face. And I don't regret doing it. And I'm glad it happened that way because now my life is it's just going to be so much better yeah. and bigger. You know, there's there's something bigger out there for me. And I know that. In the age of self-help where the Brene Browns and the Glennon Doyles who are, I mean, selling, if not hundreds of millions of copies of their books, right? Right. Which are talking about basically essentially burning down the patriarchy and asking for what you want and doing hard things and living vulnerably, mm-hmm. ha- hosting a podcast with millions of listeners that's really based on feminism as a whole. Yeah. I don't understand how you go from that to basically canceling someone for for wanting to renegotiate a contract. Well, the old show w- was kind of a feminist thing in a way, but to be honest, it was catered to men. Okay. There was internalized misogyny, a lot of it in there, mm-hmm. and it wasn't the right type of feminism, if I'm being completely honest. And I took part in that. And that's why now in my new show— I've really had to look into that and I no longer do that. I still talk about sex. I still give pointers on how to give a blow job, how to go on a date, but it's not in a internalized misogyny way. Yeah. Does that, you know? Absolutely. I mean, it's, there is so much programming that we receive since we were little girls where we center our womanhood through the male gaze and I perspective. Know. So, I know. I think it's amazing that you're seeing that. Mm -hmm. Um, But how amazing that we, I think because of our dad situations, obviously the patriarchy, like we, we, it's still, we carry it with us. Mm -hmm. But I think how amazing because like our fathers were maybe not the best or the most involved. I don't think I have it as much. Yeah. You know? Totally. Yeah. Because you weren't raised in a household with a subservient mother to a father and living in that kind of dynamic. You were modeled strong women. Yeah. Which, again, talking about that spectrum of of resilience, right? Like, sure, there was aspects of trauma there sprinkled in throughout your life, but the resilience factor also came in because of the traumatic experiences that you were having growing up. Yes. Yes. This is so funny. It's like, everyone go fuck up your life because it'll be the best thing to happen <laughs> that ever. happened ever. to you. I 100% agree with that. Like, what doesn't kill you does make you fucking stronger. It does. And it it is a choice, though. 
I want to get into how you heal because I think everyone's heard you on podcasts talking about the nitty gritty of what happened. Mm -hmm. But I want to talk now about like, how do you heal from that? Because it is a choice to heal. You could have gone and gotten married to some guy in Utah and disappeared forever and been depressed and miserable and filled with anxiety, which I think is a choice. It's a valid choice. Everyone has the right to make that choice. Or you can say, fuck, no, you're not going to take me down. And this is what I'm going to do about it. Yeah. I didn't know I had the strength that I did until that happened. I did not know that I was that resilient and that strong of a person until it happened because the second it did, I was on the phone with my agent, with my attorney, with whoever, how do I launch my new show and tell my story like immediately. That's not to say I wasn't carrying around trauma, but I just, I jumped into it. And it's funny because I jumped into it and I was healing kind of while I was starting the new show. So how did I heal? It's very interesting. I think a lot of people always say, you need to forgive that person so you can move on. And I disagree with that. But you've heard people say that. Oh, of course. And I completely disagree. No, you don't. If if that's what's going to help you, then do it. But that's not for everybody. You, I talk about this when I talk about my parents a lot. I forgive my parents, but that doesn't mean that there's not still pain there that exists and Mm -hmm. resentment and whatever else. Like, sure, forgiveness is a gift that we can offer ourselves, right? It can set us free. We can forgive ourselves for the things that we did in that relationship that we made mistakes. And we can overall like have a feeling of like, what's done is done. Let's move on. But that doesn't change. Those two things are not mutually exclusive. Exactly. Exactly. I think that, yes, forgiving yourself is really all you need to do. That's it. It's like you need to understand that what happened was not your fault also. Yeah. I mean, I think taking personal responsibility for your your part is important. And I don't know the specifics right. of the whole situation. Right. Our situations are a little bit different. Very different. Yeah. But yeah, of course, it's like you're only responsible for your part. And mm-hmm. as you reflect on like, how you could have done things differently, offering yourself grace for the mistakes that were made and the process, the ways that you didn't take care of yourself or step in sooner or whatever, whatever shame or guilt that you're feeling. Yeah. Forgiving yourself for that is really important. Mm -hmm. In the immediate aftermath of everything happening, right? Your social media is blowing up. You're getting canceled. It's on every news source. You have this media conglomerate that's just like throwing everything that they've got at you. Yeah. What is your move? I went silent. I went silent because I understood the situation and I strategized and my platform was taken away from me. I was one girl against a huge corporation and, you know, my ex-co-host And so I decided to stay silent. And I think that was the smartest fucking thing because what happened is my listeners 
and the people that loved me, they started to realize, oh, wait, we need Sophia back. So it went from, we hate you, you're a piece of shit, da-da-da. And like a month later, or even just like a couple weeks later, it turned into, yeah, Sophia, can you please come back? We miss you and like, we need you on the show. Mentally, where are you at as you're in these moments of, of being silent on social media? I'm numb. I am just going through the motions. And I think that's important. I was going to say, you know, how to try to heal is, yes, take time to, you know, lay in bed and whatever, but get out of bed and go through the motions and do, even if it's the most basic thing, just to get out of bed and brush your teeth and go for a walk, just do it, you know? Yeah. I was like on autopilot, like, that's kind of how it was. And then after a couple of weeks, things calm down a little bit because there's stages to healing, right? It doesn't mm-hmm. just go like numb and like, now let's launch the podcast. Like, what are those stages in between that are kind of giving you hope and, and kind of getting you to the other side of that? I'm talking to a lot of people and getting advice. I'm you know, reaching out to my family, my friends. And I'm also just therapy, obviously. And I'm also just spending a lot of time with myself thinking this through and thinking, Sophia, you have been through this, this, and this in your life already, and you overcame it. You can do it again. Yeah. You know? And it goes really back to that resilience. Mm -hmm. It's just that resilience factor of like, I'm not going to let this stop me. Yeah. I refuse. Yeah. And sometimes you don't think you have resilience Mm -hmm. and you'll be surprised. It will show up. Yeah. Which is really interesting. I think the healing process was interesting because I was numb at first. I was angry. I would, I got sad And then I also had those moments where I blamed myself a lot and sat with that. And then I would go, no, fuck that. Like, it wasn't you. Like, you know, there was a lot going on during that time period. But time, time is the biggest healing thing. It really is. Yeah. I think the hardest part for me with my situation of losing what I consider to be my sister is that when someone physically dies, they're gone. Mm -hmm. Like your brain can wrap its head around the fact that that person's, you don't have another chance. There's nothing else to be said. There will never be a reconciliation. They're gone. But existing in a world where I know she's out there, Mm -hmm. where sometimes I miss her, Sometimes a memory pops up of like a good moment that we had or whatever it might be. That part is really hard for me. It's like mourning the loss of a friend, someone that you consider to be a sister, but they're still alive. Right. You know, it was different for me. I don't think about her. It was, I think, I think of her as my past life. That was my past life. Everything that happened this is my new one. That's how I kind of healed. Yeah. Yeah. It's not been that easy for me. I wish I, I wish I had the ability to compartmentalize like that, 
but mm-hmm. I don't. Yes. <laughs> it's just not, no, I got not it. my process. I got it. And I, I mean, look, I'm not saying, you know, I am so resilient. I healed just so perfectly and it was so easy. It was excruciating. It was the hardest thing to ever happen to me. That helped me kind of move on is understanding that there are certain people that you just don't want in your life and it's good when they're not there. And it's now a new life and a new time and a new me and a new me. Okay, five years from now, where is Sophia? My long-term goals, my five-year plan. Just like where, where would you like that. to see yourself? Like I, when I'm doing my manifestations, work, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm like getting down to the nitty gritty of like, what do I really want? I think so few people ever ask themselves, who am I and what the fuck do I want? Not what everyone else has programmed me to believe and told me what I need to do, but like, what the fuck do I want and who the fuck am I? It's such a hard question. How did you like figure it out? I unpacked all of the programming and all the bullshit that Mm -hmm. I had been led to believe through, you know, my subconscious through, you know, the experiences that I had growing up. And then I got really clear on like, who is Alexis? And then I just was like, what is the life? You get this one experience right now. What do I want it to look like? Mm. And it wasn't even so much like the things. It was the feelings. Yes. Life is easy. I am supported. Yes. I feel strong. Yes. I am capable. Yep. I am creative. I am all this. And then I built on that. That's so smart to not think about, you know, how much money do you want? What house do you want? I think that's important too. Yeah, but I think maybe starting with how do I want to feel and carry myself? And in five years, I want to feel unwavering confidence in myself and enough with the second guessing and the doubting and just very strong in that way. Happy, calm. Calm is a big one for me. Because I, right, I am just a little anxiety ball, you know? And I talk about that a lot. And I make jokes about it. But okay, if I come on your podcast, I'm going to come an hour early and do a Reiki session on you. Can we just hang out right now? Sure, I'm afraid. Like, <laughs> let's go. I actually had a date and she canceled. Try <laughs> lay on the table on this sure. table to do it. Um, <laughs> I would love that. And yes, you are absolutely going to come on my show. But yeah, those things. Confidence, enough with the self-doubt and clear headed mm. and calm. That's what I want. Yeah, I love that. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. I appreciate you coming all the way to LA and coming to the studio. I know you're really busy. Where can everyone listen to the podcast and follow along with you? Sophia with an F. (laughs) It's literally Sophia with an F. I don't mean (laughs) Sophia with the F. The title is Sophia with an F. And on Instagram, TikTok, Sophia with an F, Franklin with a Y. Love that. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you so much. This week's affirmation is, I am courageous enough to start showing up and letting myself be seen. And so it is. 
If you enjoyed this week's episode, do me a favor, follow along with us, leave a review. It means so much to me. There are new episodes of Recovering From Reality every Monday, and you can follow me on social at Recovering From Reality or visit my website, recoveringfromreality.com. 